Welcome to this edition of Don't Listen to Us. This is episode number 43. I am Sean King, joined as always by my lovely wife, Melissa King. <laughs> it dragged that one on. Mm-hmm. We just finished our Sunday morning breakfast. Our traditional Sunday morning breakfast is lovely, light, fluffy pancakes. They're so good. They are. I, I love this, that we do this on Sunday mornings because it's, um, you and I talked about this before, both on the show and in our personal lives. I don't know how strongly you agree with me. Traditions are important. Very. Traditions give you continuity. They give you connection. They give you um, customs and rules. This is what we do. This is how we do it kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's great that... And predict- it, yeah, that's predictability. Predictability. Yeah, that's right. Um, we had, when I was growing up as a kid, and my English stepfather, we it wasn't a constant one, but at least once a month, he would make us a... As much as he could, traditional English breakfast. We had fried tomatoes mm-hmm. and blood pudding and sauce. Mm. Oh, so good. And sausage and that kind of egg scramble, the, the sunny side up eggs. So I remember, I remember those. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 40 years ago. Mm, and I yes. still remember how much fun those were. Yes, memories. That dad was cooking because that was unusual. Mom was always the cook. That dad, that dad was cooking and, and cooking these, his favorite foods from when he was a kid, like fried Tomatoes, nothing we eat, at least I didn't, as a kid until him, and I never had them since. Uh, blood blood pudding, I'll have, if I can find a good Irish pub, I'll have a blood pudding, I'll have an Irish breakfast, at because Irish breakfast is usually sausage, baked beans, um, eggs, usually, usually um, sunny side up or over easy, blood pudding, toast, it's completely unhealthy. It's just terrible for you, but it's so good. Are there traditional breakfast items in Australia like that? Do you guys have kangaroo sausages? Toast and, and veggie, mate. And, and koala burgers? And... No. Um, traditional breakfast. Not that I... No, French toast. No, no, I wouldn't say it's traditionally Australian, no. But you, but you have the same thing. You have the pancakes and the... Um, no, pancakes weren't really a part of my life t- really? that much till I became what, what a did, mother. What did you guys call them in Australia? They're, they're similar to... Oh, well, you can buy... There's pikelets and flapjacks, but usually you, you can make pikelets for sure. They're like little mini pancakes. See, for us you can flap- buy flapjacks in the store See, for us in a, a package. Flap- a flapjack is another name for a pancake. Yeah, well, in Australia, the they've got... Well, they used to. You could buy packages of flapjacks and... Were they pancake-like? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But my my mother never made pancakes. My mum would make French toast. Yeah. We didn't have French toast very much as a kid because it was just too time consuming. Oh, we did it because we were poor. My mother had white bread and she had a bit of milk and some eggs, and so and we would have them with I guess we must have them with golden syrup I suppose, or honey. No maple syrup. Poor Australians, no maple syrup. Nope. Nope. Golden syrup. Get emails. As always, love getting you emails from you guys at dltu at yml.me. We got a disturbing email from our friend KB. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I agree with Sean. <laughs> he was very upset that he had to agree with me. Yeah, he's the only time I think in his life I he's going to so. agree with you. I agree with Sean about children in pubs. If a young family would like a night out, there are restaurants that serve adult beverages. Unless you live on a hillside with a few choices, going to a pub isn't a necessary destination. Let the adults have their ball pit. Okay, I'm never agreeing with Sean ever again. Mm-hmm. Still disagree. It's harder taking a baby to a restaurant than it is just sitting in at a pub. 
True. Mm-hmm. But again, hire the babysitter. Because mm-hmm. and again, you're depriving that that teenager of a money, a job, and responsibility. Anyway, I can't go that far in it. All I'm going to say is I agree to disagree. In Australia, the pubs are very different in the way that they're structured. Our friend Jason Painter in Sydney, Australia. You're going to hate hearing this, but I miss New Year's Eve. I went to bed at 9.30 p.m. Oh, oh my gosh. It's not easy to get into and out of town on the night. You would have to go in really early to get a decent position. Your idea, Sean, of a boat is pretty much the best. I like that. I watched the 9 p.m. and 12 a.m. fireworks on ABC iView, the national broadcaster's web service, the next day. It did look good. Oh, it surely did. I, you know, if I was Australian, and or if I lived in Sydney and didn't see the fireworks live, I wouldn't watch them later on. Why? Because I'd feel like I missed them. And you did. But I'd feel bad about having missed them. No. So I would. I wouldn't bother. Yeah, Diana, my friend Diana, Aussie, at the hockey game the other night, I said, Diana, did you see the fireworks in Sydney Harbour? And she wasn't there. She was here. But yeah. she said, I did. And she said, you know, I have family that take their boat out every year. She said, I am going to do that. I'm going to next time. No. I'm going to do it. Yes. Yeah, so it's on her bucket list I as will, well. I will do it regardless um, if we're ever in Sydney on, on New Year's Eve, even if it's a hassle to get down. Because we've gone th- I've gone through. I don't know about you. I've gone through the hassle with the Celebration of Fire, Symphony of Light, we used mm-hmm, to call I'm it. I've been down there. And it's just a nightmare. It's a nightmare getting down there. you got to get down there at you know 4 p.m. I went down there one time. I couldn't believe this. Went down there at 4 p.m. Went to Vanier Park, which is a really, really good mm-hmm, location. I've seen it from Vanier. Got right at the water's edge. There's a bunch of rocks in front mm-hmm. of you, big boulders. You're raised up about 15 feet, and then there's a seawall down in front of you. Got my tripod set up, and I sat there. Fireworks didn't start until 10. Mm-hmm. I get there at 4. Mm-hmm. All right? I sat there for six hours. Didn't go pee. Didn't move. Mm-hmm. Six hours sat there. Watched the people around me start getting crowded mm-hmm. up, and I was like, yep, I got my tripod space. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Literally five minutes before 10, some guy walks in front of my tripod and camera and stands in the rocks. He's standing six inches from my camera. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, No. Get out of the way. Mm-hmm. I had so many people show up like a half hour in thinking, oh, we'll just get this great spot here. No, get away from me. So did what, what oh, happened? Of course they did. Oh. Some great big guy says, get away from his camera. You're going to get away from his camera. Mm. The guy looked at me like, no, 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 no. You don't get to show up five minutes early and get the best seat in the house. Yeah. Get out of here. People. Our, our, our official Australian correspondent, Scott Thrift, said, uh, Sean, Melissa, in answer to your question from last week. Yes. No, we did not go into the city to watch the fireworks. I would rather have my fingernails slowly extracted by a blind crone with the breath of the devil while being forced to watch infomercials. Oh, my goodness. I think he has strong feelings. I think he does. There are usually well over a million people crowded around the harbor, and as per usual, the train system collapsed due to massive lightning storms earlier in the day, stranding everyone. My partner and I had a very quiet evening at home and watched the display on TV. Will you get a much better picture? Now, I agree with him on that, but still, one time I would want to experience it there. On a boat, best, but if I have to, I'll stand on a. But as our official Australian correspondent, Scott, you haven't answered our question about the second bridge. We asked a very specific question. That's right. And I was really hopeful right then to have gotten the answer because I didn't think so. But anyway, but any, I'm glad you had a nice, quiet evening. I don't blame you. If I had a boat, I'd do it for sure. Now for the important part. Christmas and New Year's are always a time of challenge for me, as for many others, around mental health. 
This year proved to be extra hard, and I found myself in crisis on New Year's Day. Oh, when, of dear. course, everything's closed. We tried everything. Phone support lines, medical centers, even an entire day sat watching, waiting at a major public hospital offered little more than tea and sympathy. Like many men, I don't like to discuss my mental health at the best of times. So when a crisis occurs, those around me are often left scratching their heads and at a loss of what to do. Please, people, talk to those close to you, and if needs be, even those you work with. If people do not know about your mental health struggles, they are not in a place to help you. Also, please establish an emergency support tree. Mm. Have your list of people you can reach out to who can give you appropriate care and support in these hard times. That's a very good point. It's it's true that it's getting better, but it's nowhere near as good as it should be about men and mental health in particular. We don't talk to our buddies about it because our buddies will tease us. We don't, we, we don't talk to our wives and significant others about it because we want to feel strong and, and, and powerful for them. Um, it is definitely an issue. It's one of the reasons why the, the mental health rate among men is is greater than among women. Women are lucky in that you do have even an informal support system. You have your friend Corey. You'll have other people you can say, I'm having problems, I'm having trouble. It's less of a, it certainly is a stigma, but it's less of a stigma for women than it is for men. Do you agree with that? Oh, I'm not going to say I think women are lucky. I've seen no, a lot of women. Lucky in, is not the right word. Okay. And I also think that women have a lot more to contend with if they've got mental health issues. They're often, if they're a single mother, you've got the children. You may have lost your own mother and that, and that link. You may not even live around the women in your life that you would normally rely on for that, perhaps. No, I think a women, I wouldn't say women are lucky in that regard. Fair point. Lucky, wrong word. Yeah. Um, I noticed on my Instagram yesterday, it was fascinating because now what happens is if you go um, to do a search, they'll have a bunch of suggestions for you because you follow whatever. And there was one there that was just, not just for men, but it was um, a podcast for men to talk about men's issues, to in- investigate issues that uh, that in the media that might be concerning men a lot these days. It was ve- I looked into it and thought that looks pretty cool. So I think that more men are. There's men drumming groups and things like oh, that. Now I think a lot of men are reaching out to each other. There's certainly more, but not enough. There's no doubt about that. There's just not enough. I don't think there's enough in general. Yeah, I agree. Not just for men, I but agree. for women. I notice now on social media, people I know now are putting on their page, especially around that time of year, these are the numbers to call. The, like, Just remember that if you need anything, like the people are, are more open about it now. It's also surprising how much easier it is to talk to a complete stranger about this stuff. Because mm-hmm. they won't judge. They don't know you. They, they don't know anything about you. They'll just listen. So if you need someone uh, and don't have someone that you feel can just listen, there are all kinds of emotional support lines that you can look up on, on the Internet. And just call to talk to somebody. Because yep. it's surprising. Until you do it, you may not believe it, but until you actually um, unburden yourself, to a complete stranger. You don't realize how freeing that is. It's very important. It really is. That's why, And that's why counseling is so important. Yes. And Scott says, finally, here's this week's odd but interesting story from MSN.com. I saw this on Twitter. Why do so many airports have chapels? And I thought my first thought was, why not? I need to pray before I fly. 
Before you go in the shiny metal tube of doom, you should pray. You don't need a chapel to pray, but anyhow. It's just a, a little thing. I think it's mostly North American. I don't think I've seen it in European airports. I've seen it in many uh, North American airports. Oh. Again, the South. Sorry, the U.S. South. I see it. Hmm. And it's a, if nothing else, it's a quiet place. You know, if you're just. I've only ever been in one in a hospital. If you're stressed out from travel and need a quiet place, it's a good place as any. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pray. Most of them now are interfaith or non-denominational. Um, there's rarely a service going on. It's more of a place of quiet just, contemplation, mm-hmm. meditation. I wouldn't know where the one at YVR is. If someone asked me, I'd go, I don't know. You can ask the information clerk and they'll, and they'll point it out. Hmm. They're, they're not fancy. They're just usually no. a little, little maybe 100 square foot room, 200 square foot room. But interesting. Hmm. We have a correction to make. Somebody is very upset with us. Dear hosts of Don't Listen to Us. Okay, first of all, this was sent to the host of Don't Listen to Us. The person sent it to on-air at yourmaclifeshow.com. So his competence is already in question. Do you agree? Well, everybody knows that you're Sean King, the host of YML. But yet this person still sent the email to the host. It says, "Dear, don't listen to us comments, the subject line. Mm. Dear host of don't listen to us. Oh, all right. He sent it to on-air at yourmaclifeshow.com. Oh. Instead of, DLTU at YML. I see, yes. So he wants us to correct his competence, and yet. And yet. Anyway, so what, 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 what do we need to renege on here? Or I need to write to defend my honor. My name is Vito Mori from Prince George, B.C. I would like to comment on <laughs> remarks made on two different occasions on <laughs> your show. On both occasions, the host, Sean and Melissa, told a story of meeting up with me at a pub in North Vancouver last summer. <laughs> And sometime during our conversation and beer drinking, they asked me about my Apple Watch and what it can do. In my defense, I was not prepared and as stated on the show it's twice, just... well, maybe once here, once on YML, my demo pretty much sucked. <laughs> she wasn't a... prepared. Once again, I mentioned I was not prepared. And after showing the three or four things it does for me, I fumbled trying to show the other things it can do. Reminder, we're in a pub. We're consuming beer and maybe more beer. I bring this up. Because my honor as a Mac head is at stake. I was one of the founders of the Prince George Macintosh user group. And for many years, I demonstrated the Mac along with many of its applications and later the iPad. I remember think I am amazing or not bad and a pretty good teacher. Sean and Melissa have tarnished my reputation in the world community. I'm looking for an apology even though my demo sucked. Also, free beer. Oh, Vito, (laughs) we're just being silly. It was just cute. And I know you weren't prepared. She was like, oh, there's the Apple Watch. I don't know what it does. I understand. <laughs> we, I'm so sorry. I sincerely apologize. It was just so cute because I was ready to go, oh, because I'd never seen one before. That's right. That's right. Yes, that was very funny. Thank sorry, you, Vito. <laughs> you are amazing. That was very cute. Buy your beer. Exactly. In, 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 in recognition of your efforts. <laughs> Thank you, Vito. He was actually sent me a, uh, an iMessage this morning. He said, um... Happy New Year. I hope you took my email as a piece of satire. Oh, of course. <laughs> but of course I did, dude. It was just a funny moment. Vito doesn't have a mean bone in his oh, body. Oh, he's would, the loveliest, sweetest man ever. I would never take anything he said as in a as negative be- way. No. Speaking of negativity, do you hear the story that um, Jeff Bezos and his wife are divorcing? 
No, like why? Why do I care? Sorry, it's not very nice. It's not nice for anyone. It's not nice for anyone to divorce. But hey, if there's a lot of money involved, you're going to be okay. Don't worry about it. If she gets half, she will instantly become the richest woman in the world. Okay. He is the richest man. If he has to give her half, and you know what, he should. Now, what does that tell you about money, Sean? It's good to have it. You can still get divorced. You can oh, still yes, be that's, horrendously that's unhappy and have to actually divorce your partner. So, I th- I'm throwing the number out there. I'm not sure if it's accurate. Jeff Bezos supposedly is worth $137 billion. Mm-hmm. In no way, shape, or form should his lawyers say anything about she didn't deserve half of that. It's $137 billion. Half of it means you still get $70 billion. Okay? Shut up. Do they have children? I don't know. I I don't care. It makes no difference to me at all. But it doesn't matter. This is one of those divorces that should be just cut and dry. Here's half. (sighs) Just just take half because I've still got $70 billion. Well, she'll be fine. The interesting thing to me is both of them will think more of him because he's just more well-known. The next five years of dating for him is going to be hell. Because he's a very recognizable person. Mm -hmm. If I saw Jeff Bezos in the crowd, I would recognize him as Jeff Bezos. Mm -hmm. He puts up his Match.com profile. (laughs) He's not going to do that. But he cannot know if the next person in his life wants him for him or his money. Well, no. That would, I mean... He's inextricably nice. blah, 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 um, an incredibly overwhelmingly rich man. He can't separate from it. That would make me feel bad because... No, it wouldn't. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, that is a lie. It is That not. would make me feel bad. It would. If you had... All those billions of dollars, Sean King, from what you have said to me, you would not feel bad ever. No, no. I would feel bad about the person I was dating, not knowing if they're dating me for the money or for me. Then, I feel great with the money. No, make no mistake about that. Then don't buy her anything. Yeah, but you got to go to dinner, right? Yeah, just go to some mediocre little diner you, somewhere. You are not going to tell me, you, Melissa King, mm-hmm. assuming you're single. And you're walking Super Value mm-hmm. here in Gibson's. And this nice, yeah, mishy, bald guy walks up to you and says, can I take you out for dinner? And you go, sure. And he takes you to the lovely sushi place. And at the end of the meal, he says, you're, you're, can we go Dutch on this? Can we split half the check? And you would go, okay. Yeah. Unless he was Jeff Bezos. But see, he also, or any woman that dates him, also has the awful thing to contend with of this very issue. Oh, absolutely. He could be with Botox, pumped up, fake-breasted, anything women that have money already, that are in that world of money, that, I mean, he could be with anyone. He could pick and choose whoever. So as a woman that he could maybe date or be interested in, you would be freaked out. You'd be thinking, oh, my God. Like, I would have to be this very certain kind of a woman, and you'd be always concerned because he could really have any woman he wanted. So there's all that pressure as well. It's going to be a deeply weird situation. Yes. Now, granted, the weirdness is comforted by the fact of billions and billions of dollars. But still, we all want happiness. We all want to find 
a life partner, someone we can invest invest our soul into. And you want them to be able to do the same for you. Mm-hmm. But that's always got to be hanging over your head. Always. Beautiful. And that's not good. He would have to be like um, that beautiful woman that George Clooney married. Very well achieved. Yes. Incredible career. International lawyer. International lawyer. Like she was on her f- own firm ground. Yeah. She, she had her own thing going on and obviously very well achieved in that. Um, that would help. Yes. You couldn't just be, sorry, some little dits that didn't have anything going on except focusing on her looks yep. or whatever. So, you know, it depends. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry they're getting divorced. Divorces, as you said. It's awful. Awful for everybody. Just awful. Um, it's no more or less awful for them. It's just weirder. It's going to be very, very weird for them. This was a surprising stat. that We just have gone through the holidays. Um, Melissa was off um, for three weeks. No, just two and a, two and a half, two and a half two weeks. And a bit, yeah. Um, we we get you get a. Would you say you get a lot of vacation time, or just the right amount? I get no. I get vacation time imposed upon me because mm. I don't always want to be taking the time off that I do, but I have to. Um, so you get I, two weeks off at Christmas, two weeks off at spring break, and then two months off at. But the two months off is my contract's done, and I have to wait for two months you're to hit. get back on contract again. So you're, it's, you're not on vacation; you're unemployed. Yes, you actually have to apply for employment insurance. Yes, I do. Yeah, it's not a vacation; it's as you said, it's enforced. It's enforced. I was surprised to see. Um, I always knew this was true. I was surprised to see how little vacation time we in Canada and America get in relationship to the rest of the world. Um. Public paid holidays in the United States, there's only 10 in a year. In Canada, there's only nine. There are 19 holidays overall in Canada, but only nine of them are mandated paid. Mm, Statutory holidays. America only gets 10. Americans don't take Remembrance Day off. November 11th in British Commonwealth countries, Canada, Australia, England. Uh, November 11th is a day off. It's a holiday. Americans don't, they acknowledge November 11th, but they don't take it off as a holiday. And Americans have a lot of things that they call holidays that aren't, in fact, holidays. Like, yeah, like, like Flag Day. Is Martin Luther King Day a holiday? Martin Luther King Day is an oh, official is. statutory holiday. Okay. Uh, President's Day isn't. Um, they have Arbor Day. They have Flag Day. They have Columbus Day. But these aren't actually holidays. They're just days acknowledging something or the other. Okay. Uh, the UK, I was surprised, is number one with 37 holidays. Wow. Um, nine, nine public holidays and 28 days of annual leave. France is second, 25 days of annual leave, 11 days of public holidays for a total of 36. Spain gets 36. Germany gets 33. Um, I, I would have assumed Australia, by the way, gets 28. So yeah, get, four weeks a year is usually what yeah. you get for your holiday. Like if I was still at the my previous workplace, I would now um, probably be up to getting six weeks a year. Yeah. And to take whenever I wanted, by the way, not going, oh, yes. well, it's spring break. You've got to take your vacation time. I hate it. I know it sounds funny to say I hate it, but it's um, it's a problem. What about Japan? How many holidays do they get again? Sorry, did you say? I did. Oh, maybe I didn't. Hang on a second. Um, Lost. Japan gets 25. Oh, 
okay, days, that's is, not that we, bad. And we think of the Japanese as being more hardworking. You do. But they get fewer paid, paid days off. Supposedly, as the statement says, frankly, we should all be mad. The richest country in the world doesn't care about workers' well-being. Well, that's always been true in the U.S. in various ways. It's terrible. Ways. Just terrible. Earlier this year, Ancestry DNA had a sale on their kit. You know what this is? This is a you send away for a DNA kit, and they tell you they they your, your ancestry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be a great gift idea, so I bought six of them for Christmas presents. Hmm. Today, my family got together to exchange presents for our Christmas Eve tradition. I gave my mom, dad, brother, and two sisters each a kit. As soon as everyone opened their gifts at the same time, my mom started to freak out. Uh-oh. She told us how she didn't want us taking them because they had unsafe chemicals. We explained to her how there were actually no chemicals, but we could tell she was flustered. Uh-oh, it's the butcher. Exactly. They're related to the butcher. Exactly. <gasps> Later, she started trying to convince us that only one of us kids to take it. I'll pick you, Johnny, <laughs> since we'll all have the same result and to resell the extra kits to save money. Uh-oh. Fast forward. Our parents have been fighting upstairs for the past hour, and we're downstairs trying to figure out who is a different dad. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a disaster. Oh, my. I had no That's idea. a disaster. <laughs> Shit. Well, that's it then, isn't it? Oh. How many of them have the different DNA if she only picked one? I know. Okay, it's the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. Oh, my God. Okay, so mum was <laughs> bored. That's the best story I heard. That's hilarious. Well, it's kind of, you know, that poor family's in, in, <laughs> in chaos now. Because mum's a hoe. Mum can do whatever she likes. You not- don't... And Dad's not particularly smart. Why are the kids look all different from each other? Yeah, how come she's got red hair? That's right. Hmm. Anyways. Oh, dear. That is a disaster. I hope they find this guy, cut his nuts off, and hang him by his thumbs on public display. Okay. Woman in vegetative state for 10 years gives birth. Oh, my God. Somebody raped a woman in a coma. Oh, you sick bastard. Happened in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. The police have launched a sexual abuse investigation. The woman had been a patient in Hacienda Healthcare for 10 years. After she nearly drowned and was left in a vegetative state, she gave birth to a baby boy on December 29th. Well, he, well they must be able to narrow it down to who it was, speaking of DNA. DNA test every male in the goddamn hospital. Because he must work there. Must and he must have been allocated to her over a period of time to be caring for her, washing her, perhaps. You disgusting pig! Goodness. And then the other aspect of it is, we're fucking condom asshole. Oh dear, that's very disturbing. Jesus Christ! Mm. It's just one of those things that just—if you have faith in humanity, it gets. Beaten out of you pretty damn quickly with guys like that. I'm speechless. Speaking of speechless, we all want to do what's right for our kids. I'm a real mom who doesn't vaccinate. My son is currently two months old. I'm in the hospital with him right now. He's positive for for pertussis. And they are telling me he got it from my unvaccinated daughter. I've been mom-shamed all day, but stood my ground in our beliefs. 
Has anyone else's child got some horrible disease because they don't, don't vaccinate? Please comment. My baby is really suffering. It's horrible to watch. I need some encouragement. I did the right thing. Oh, you my. didn't! No, she's wanting some clarification and... um. She wants to hear from other parents that it's okay what you've done and you stood by your decision. No, it's not. Vaccinations have saved children. It's ridiculous. Your child could die from pertussis, mm-hmm. could die from whoopee cough, could mm-hmm. die from the measles. We have a vaccination that will prevent that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really do anything else. You know, that the vaccine, the vaccine does what it, it's meant to do. The problem with this comes from a study that was done, I think, 15 years ago by a uh, quack doctor in England. And because of the Internet, that study was spread wildly and widely around the world, seemingly mostly to affluent white Americans who, and the study said that the uh, vaccination for these things causes autism. Now, every parent wants to know what causes autism. No parent wants their child to be autistic. So they're looking for a reason for this to happen. Medical science doesn't have a reason, do they? We, we don't know what causes autism. No. So, understandably, these parents want a reason. They want to latch on to something as a cause, to blame something. They found this study, and they went, aha! This doctor in England says it's the vaccinations that cause this. I'm going to be against vaccinations. Mercury. Mercury, exactly. The doctor's study was debunked 10 years ago. The doctor himself said, I was wrong. I made it up. I'm full of shit. And yet, these people, affluent white Americans, haven't gotten that mm-hmm. bit of information. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help when you get nut bars who are famous celebrities like Jim Carrey, the Canadian, his girlfriend at the time, Jenna McCarthy, going on Oprah and saying, this stuff causes autism in mm-hmm. children. Because there's been this increase in autism over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. It must be because of vaccinations. Mm-hmm. That's not a cause and effect. There's no causation there. It's a coincidence, if nothing else. And the other problem is, when you don't vaccinate your child, my child... Could get the disease now, too. Well, you go, you send your children to school. You have to let them know now that yes. my child's not vaccinated. And it creates, I mean, what if your child's a biter? What if, or what if they get angry and they just decide to bite someone or right. anything? It's just, it's frightening. In, in that case, if one child is vaccinated and the other child isn't, the unvaccinated child gets measles, the vaccinated child won't get measles, will they? don't know. Because like, if that's the case, if, all, if you've got 100 kids in a classroom, you don't. But if you've got 100 kids in a classroom, 99 of them are vaccinated and one isn't, what's the big deal? I don't know. The big deal comes when it's not just the one kid who isn't vaccinated. It's five kids. It's if there's more. Kids, yes, which kids. there are more and more of them that aren't vaccinated. And then those that just, that just spread. Some kids aren't vaccinated for medical reasons, for... Um, uh, Cost reason, whatever it might be. But or the, the more, parents haven't pe- kept up on the schedule. The more pe- more kids who are vaccinated, the less likely there is to be an outbreak, basically. Yes. And we're hearing that in the news more and more often. There are measles. There are more cases of measles there last are. year in the United States than there have been in the past 50 years. That's right. Measles has almost been eradicated. Mm-hmm. Yet these idiots think that these vaccinations cause 
autism. Mm-hmm. And it puts other people and children at risk. It puts does. adults at risk. It does, actually. Measles for adult men can cause sterilization. It can. So if your unvaccinated child, because the vaccination I got when I was a kid for measles has worn off, mm-hmm. I assume, right? And, mm-hmm. so, uh, and I've never been. I don't know very much about that. Never been revaccinated. So if my kid gets measles and I get it, I'm sterile. Yes. Possibly. Yes. There's no excuse for it. There's no reason for it. And the frustrating thing is that, again, affluent, white, middle-class Americans who you'd think would know better. Well, that's why I don't want to degrade this because autism is an awful, awful thing. And um, I wouldn't want my child to have autism, but... It became a very, very, very high-profile disease because the socioeconomic status of most of these families is very high, very outspoken families that had the wherewithal and the intelligence and the education and the ability to get together and go on their own very powerful campaign and it became the disease of yep. the decade. Yep. yep. And it really st- – and, and, and it's interesting that that's the population that it mostly – Hit. That's right. That's right. There are times when uh, you have accused me, accused, not the right word, but accused me of being a nerd. Yes. Okay? I, I always say I'm not a nerd. I'm nerd adjacent. Yes. I know nerd things, but I'm not a nerd. And this is proof of it. I wish I was this nerdy because this is the coolest thing in the freaking world. Matt Jones, helicopter nerd parent level 100 achievement unlocked. My six-year-old has type 1 diabetes. I just finished setting the house's lights to bright orange when his uh, Dexcom meter reads low and bright red when it reads a critical low. Mm. This guy is brilliant! Mm. He's bought these kind of lights that we have at our bedside table, Mm -hmm. and he's nerd-hooked up the house Mm. to the kid's glucose meter. Oh, he could sell that for a fortune. When the glucose meter gets too low, the lights in the house turn yellow. Mm. That is brilliant. Mm. If that was easy. Now, the thing is, if if he, I'm looking at his picture, he's really nerdy. So this is not, this probably isn't one of those just box it up and sell it at home hardware kind of stuff. Oh. This is going to be a lot of programming, a lot of coding. But in theory, somebody should be smart enough. Two packages up as a one-stop shop mm. for parents, whether it's the Dexcom glucose meter people, sell it as a package. You buy the meter, you buy the lights, you mm. set it up, turn it on, done. There's an app on your phone, you set it up, you're done. Because I think that is the smartest. Oh, well, it saves a poor mom that I know of in this community as being a mate. Her daughter was born with diabetes, very rare, and um, went in recently, last holiday, Went into a like had a major like incident, um, and you know she has to sleep by her bed. Oh, she, you know, like she's just and you know because it's just taken so long to stabilize her again, and so that would, you know, at least give her a chance to be in her own bed and yep. just be checking on the change of the lights if anything happens. Wow, what a guy! Absolutely, what a brilliant guy. We uh, we talk about this often because uh, we we. I think the whole family wants a dog, but we're, we're not going to get a dog. We we all want a dog of various kinds. I would love a dog. Love a dog. Then but... I think about different things, and exactly. I think, no, it's not right. And I certainly don't want a dog and then resent the dog. I yes. want to, you know. This is a, a list of the most expensive dog breeds in the world. Uh. 
If you could get any dog at any price, what kind of dog would you get? Purebred. Oh, um, well, I, but I wouldn't. I'd want to go to the pound and get a grateful mutt. If, 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 okay, at the mutt. You go to the pound, there's the perfect mutt for you. What kind of dog is it? He's it's a purebred mutt. Oh, he's purebred. He's purebred. He's not a mutt. Purebred. Oh, it's hard. I can't answer that because I don't want. I don't want a purebred dog. I would love a greyhound, mm-hmm. a pug. Yeah. Uh, if I had the space, land a German Shepherd because they're brilliant, smart dogs. They are. Yes. Uh, they're all. I love all kinds of dogs. I don't like poodles. So, no. Sorry, Vito. I no. do like big dogs. Like I love the Burmese mountain dogs. Like, oh, they're just so beautiful. The most expensive dog in the world. Uh, a puppy, eight to ten thousand dollars, Samoyed. Oh, they've gotten really popular. I, yeah, I would never have guessed that Samoyed would be the most expensive. Why? Another dog I'd like to have, but would never pay the money for, only because I've seen him on videos, and he looks like just stupid amounts of fun. Don't know anything about the dog at all. Um, puppies up to seven thousand dollars, Tibetan Mastiff. Oh yes, they just look so oh, just my God, gigantic. They look like just giant. Just roll size. around on the ground, let him slobber on you, dog. Supersized. Oh, that's you. Oh yeah, no, no, I meant the dog. <laughs> they look like supersized newfies. Mm-hmm. They just look massive, just mm-hmm. huge dogs. Yeah, but seven thousand dollars. That that is because of rarity. Because I've never seen a Tibetan Mastiff in the in the wild. I've only ever seen him on TV. Right. Uh, a dog I would never have. A dog you could not give to me. $6,500 puppies. A pharaoh hound. I don't know what they are. A pharaoh hound. Those. I'm not a, just, I don't like the look of a pharaoh hound. Oh, I have never. I don't know that they're, dog. They're, they're short hair. They're very, very pointy eared. They're like, I would describe it as sort of a. a Doberman ish. I was going to say Doberman. Yeah, a, a brown Doberman. I just don't really don't like the look. No, I don't want one dog. of those. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Akita's $4,500 for, for a puppy. I love Akita's. They're another popular dog now. I've heard they have personality issues, so you really wouldn't want one, but they're very pretty dogs. I really, mm. really like the look of an Akita. I this one, a Zawak. I've never even heard of it before. No. It, it looks like a setter of some kind. West African, a Zawak. One of the few breeds, African breeds, that are available for purchase in the United States and Canada. That's why. Again, mm. rarity for this mm. one would be $3,000 puppies. Peruvian Inca Orchid. This has got to be the ugliest dog on this list. He looks like a little bit of a hyena does dog. Hairless, a hairless hyena. Oh, yeah, no, no. No, no, no. Don't want a hairless cat. Don't want a hairless dog. They just look really, really, yeah, it's a, the, this is a hairless dog origins in Peruvian pre-Inca no, times. Completely hairless with elephant gray skin. Ew. <laughs> no. You couldn't give me this dog. Mm-mm. I would not want this dog. <sighs> Saluki. Nah. I don't like Salukis, even though they are greyhound shaped. I don't like Salukis. I like greyhounds. I don't like Salukis. No. Same with Afghan hound. Mm. I don't even though they are also at least facially like a greyhound. Mm-hmm. I don't like. I don't like mm-hmm. Afghans. Mm-hmm. But we, we 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 I think we agree that I, I keep checking uh, the Northwest Canada Greyhound League. I keep checking the website to see if there's greyhounds for adoption. I'd love to get a greyhound. Um, but I'd be perfectly happy with a mutt. 
Oh, I just if, I want a grateful. I want to save a dog, yeah, yeah. and 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 I've met mutts that people have saved, and they're the best dogs ever, and they know they're being saved. Well, that's why I like this this uh, North Northwest Canada Greyhound League. It's an adoption for greyhounds. Mm. Uh, it's they're generally purebreds because a lot of them are rescue from racetracks. Yeah, and so you're going to get a purebred greyhound, but they're they're a rescue dog. That's mm-hmm. why, but. When and if we get a dog, we're definitely going to the pound. Or at least I'm going to the pound. Yeah, you, no, I can't. You can't come with me? I can't go. Why can't you go? No, I just can't. It's too sad. <laughs> I can't let it go. The, the the danger is that if you if, if if I go, I come back with three. I know. You know that's a, oh, my God. Because I'm the same way. Yeah. I just, yeah. Now, here's the list of the world's smartest dog. What's the, What do you think is the smartest dog in the world? Well, I think German Shepherds are the smartest. No, I, I, I would agree. And yeah. the German Shepherds I know that have been trained well are incredibly oh, smart dogs. Yes. My friend uh, Michelle in uh, Portland, Oregon had uh, Major, or has Major, hopefully Major still around, beautiful mm-hmm. purebred German Shepherd. Yes. And the smartest dog I've ever met in my life. Oh, yeah. He was brilliant. Yes. Number two, Labrador Retrievers. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd take a lab. I like labs. Yes, I love labs. I, I do. I didn't realize they were that smart. I knew they were... Kind and sweet and I gentle. think they need to be brought up properly. I think they can be very silly and hard to control if they're not disciplined well. I would have guessed that the smartest was number three in this list, Border Collies. Yeah, because of what they do. Yeah, yeah. The Ooh. problem with Border Collies is they are so high energy. You can't... Well, a Border Collie is not an apartment dog. You need no, you've you you got to take them out. you and... exercise them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they'll eat your couch. Mm-hmm. They can be real challenges when it, it comes can be, to... Yeah, a bit neurotic if you don't get them out and get... They're a working dog. Yes, an absolute working dog. Yeah. It's, it's one of the few dogs that are still a working dog. In other words, you have to work the dog. Yes. You can't let a border collie... You, you, you never see a fat border collie. No. You have no, to they're... go take a border collie out to work them. Otherwise, he will eat your house. He yeah. will find ways to... I don't want a dog like that. Neither do I. No. As much as I love watching them. They're beautiful. And I love meeting them on the street. And I love seeing them work a sheep farm. I love that. It's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wouldn't actually. Yeah. No. No would I. Uh, golden, golden Retrievers. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that they were that smart either. Number five or four on this If list. they're trained well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shetland Sheepdog. Also another very smart working dog. That mm-hmm. you have to work. And the fact that this dog is number six on the list just pisses me off. Poodle. I hate poodles. Why do you hate them I don't know. So? I, you know what? I, I think just... a beautiful standard poodle, when they're trained, they're elegant, gorgeous. I wouldn't get one. I don't want one. But there used to be a very handsome man in Carisdale where I used to live. One of those men that would wear beautiful suits to work. and he would, And he had the most glorious standard poodle, black. And I'd watch him every morning taking his standard poodle to the daycare for the day. And he, this poodle was just next to him in his suit. They just were quite the pair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was beautiful poodle. I don't, I don't, the, the French poodle with that cut, I, I hate that cut. But poodles in general, I don't like his dogs. No, I don't like little ones. The big standards I do like. Mm. Here are discoveries and inventions that are more recent than you think. Okay. When do you think sliced bread was invented? Oh, my God. Oh, I think that would be quite recent. I think that the big block of bread was around for a long time. I don't know. Sliced bread is less than 100 years old. Yeah. 1928. 
Yeah. It was someone invented. Well, tell me, do you prefer bread? to get sliced bread or do you prefer to slice off your bread? See, I prefer to slice off my bread. If it's homemade bread, definitely. Yeah. But in the store, no, I'd rather have it sliced. Yeah, no, if it's homemade, I want to. Because I, I, you, you can get those slicers. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so sliced bread, yes. I'm always afraid of the slicer in the grocery store, though. You know, some grocery stores have that where you yeah, buy the you fresh bread. Yeah, you can go and slice it, yeah. And you slice it yourself. I, yeah. I would never do that. It just scares me. For some reason, I'm afraid of falling into it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Our understanding of the Earth's age. How old do you think that is? Our understanding of the Earth's age. I think that would be quite old. To, I don't know. 1956. That's it? Yeah. By the late 1940s, the new radiometric dating method suggested Earth's age was 3.3 billion, but scientists were not confident in the number. It wasn't until the mid-1950s when Claire Patterson perfected a new method of cal- calculating the age of extremely old rocks at Earth's true age of 4.5 billion. Wow. The discovery of Pluto. Oh, well, I thought that was... Is that less than 100 years old? 1930. Oh, wow. Oh, I thought they would have known about that a long, long, long time ago. Clyde like... Tomba found Planet X using a greeny space telegram, sorry, space camera in 1930. Huh. Can openers. Oh, I don't know. 1870. <laughs> so it's old, this is the oldest thing in this list. Oh. I didn't realize we had cans that old. Because <laughs> obviously you wouldn't have a can opener. Hmm. I wonder what. Well, obviously the can came first, but they must have had an opener before they made the can. What? No. Yeah. No. Why? Then gonna... why make a can opener? No, no. You wait, wait. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm saying they would have had cans before they had the can opener. Why make a can if you didn't have a can opener? Because you could use a knife or a oh, stick. Oh, like a you know, st- Yeah, to, okay. To it wasn't until you... Oh, you mean like the proper twisty ones, not the other. Okay. <clears throat> not your Swiss Army knife. Yeah, exactly. Let's go to the device section of the show. Again, as always, it's uh, DLTU at YML.me. But these are not advice columns of someone else's sentence. Don't worry about it. Mm. I'm, re- I'm stealing these off the internet. Mm. My 11-year-old granddaughter has been determined... Not to view the Nutcracker since she was very young. She's 11. How much younger are you talking about? We have no idea why. This year she'll be visiting during the time the ballet will be presented in my town. Her mother and I are both looking, happily looking forward to going. My granddaughter simply refuses to discuss it. <laughs> Is it wrong to tell her that going with us would be like a Christmas present gift from her this year? Ooh. Yes! I think that she, if she's 11... And she is very, with conviction, saying, I don't want to go. Then some, for some reason, she feels very strongly. So don't make her do it. And don't try to bribe her into doing it. Yeah. Or guilt her into doing it. I mean, the last presentation that I saw of it was at the orf- downtown Vancouver. And it was bloody awful. Oh, really? I was like, oh, <laughs> my God. It was awful. <laughs> I've never seen it. So. Yeah. But, yeah, if the, if the 11-year-old doesn't want to see it, don't force don't her to make see it. it. They're, they're stuck in, it's the Nutcracker, it's yeah. Christmas, we just, and you're a little girl, you have to want to go. Exactly. Uh, I've been with my wonderful girlfriend for a few years now, and we usually get along great aside from this current issue. She's a self-proclaimed foodie. I hate that word. Foodie? You know what the, you know what the definition of the word foodie is? People that like to cook? Someone who likes food. 
We all like food. Oh, I thought it was someone that was really into no, the whole. A, yeah, it's a snobby food thing. Shut oh, up. You're okay. not a foodie. Okay. Uh, she's a self-proclaimed foodie, which I honestly think is just selling herself short. She's a food genius. Oh, good for her. Okay. Um, if you taste something and wonder what's that super subtle flavor, she'll tell you. Uh, when someone mm. is cooking something and they go, it's missing something, she can tell you exactly what it needs. Okay, that's great. It's fantastic. Okay. It's gotten to the point where I don't see any point in going out to eat, pretty much ever, except maybe her birthday. Even the most exotic ingredients aren't out of her reach. And even though it's not about cost, I've saved up more being with her than I ever had in any other relationship. Mm. One place to really go is for date night is ramen. She can't figure out how to make the noodles. Huh. Our anniversary was recently, and I had noticed that our local fish counter was selling sushi-grade fish, mm. along with rolling mats and nori. So I suggest that we have homemade sushi mm. for our anniversary. Mm. She said... She got upset, said, I'm not learning how to make sushi, because then we'll never get to go out and eat. Ah, uh, good for her. <laughs> kind of took me by surprise. I just don't think it's worth to go out and pay restaurant food prices when we can stay home for home food prices and a food that's just as good. So, am I the asshole for not wanting to pay a restaurant to cook my meals because I practically have a private chef of my very own? If she wants to. If she wants to cook, and perhaps you do it together, I don't know. But if it's something that she loves and she wants to do, but if it's a treat for her, then no, you take her out. This is, once again, an example of how stupid men are. <laughs> Dude, if she wants to go for dinner, go for dinner. Yeah. If she wants to cook, cook. As long as she's not sitting there going, ooh, they could have put more of this. No, that's not over there. Oh, and I would have done that. As long as she's not judging it and yeah. he's sitting there going, oh, my God, why have I paid for all this? I mean, it goes both ways, right? He doesn't seem to understand that going out for the restaurant meal is a special datey type thing where she gets served as opposed to spending three hours in the kitchen cooking for your ass. Yes. She'd much rather, obviously, at some periods of time, have someone else do that for her. Hey, dummy, have you ever thought about this? You cook for her. Mm -hmm. Give he, that a shot. Yes, but again, I will say, if she's too judgy, it might not be an easy thing to do. Nowhere in the article, in the letter does it make it sound like that she's too judgy. So but I'm, if I'm, you're a foodie, you can't help yourself. You're going to be going, hmm, this could have been done with, I would have added this or whatever. So if she's being judgy, it's not a very satisfying sure. thing to do. But I think, he, yes, he is being an asshole to, in, in making her stay home, cooking for him. Because he's getting cooked for regardless. So he's not getting that point. Whether he's at home or at the restaurant, someone's cooking for him. He's not doing anything. Mm -hmm. you got to understand, dude, sometimes she doesn't want, she wants stuff done for her, too. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll always think that the guy's an asshole and that the woman is in the right anyways, no matter in what circumstance. Oh, contraire, as our next letter will show. Uh-huh. I recently got married and have not been able to move past feelings of anger and resentment <gasps> Is this toward the woman my mother-in-law that oh. surfaced during the wedding weekend. Uh-huh. Before the wedding, she and I had a close and very positive relationship. But during the weekend, she refused to talk to me and caused me great stress. Hmm. To make matters worse, she collapsed during the party, which cut our wedding short. Oh. An ambulance had to take her to hospital. My husband and I thought she was going to die. But we spent her wedding night crying in complete shock. She was discharged the next day. The cause is unclear, but she seems to be doing fine. Uh, uh. I felt like she ruined the experience of my wedding. After a couple of months, I decided to talk with her about what happened, particularly how she treated me before she got sick. She has since apologized for everything that happened, but she says she has no memory of how she treated me. 
I desperately want to move beyond this, but I can't escape the feeling of having been robbed of what was supposed to be one of the most special days of my life. Oh. How can I move on without repressing everything that has happened? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Just move on. <laughs> exactly. Really. Get I mean, over yourself. And obviously, she was having some aura of some kind beforehand. If she doesn't remember, she was obviously struggling that day. Whatever, just move on. I can't believe you're blaming your mother-in-law for collapsing yeah. and cutting your wedding short. You know, there was something I recently looked at. I don't even know, BBC News thing. I'm just, I'm sorry, girls out there that want to have this magical day and it's everything <laughs> and the whole thing and it's got to be utter perfection and it's the wedding I, I, of my dreams that I've thought about since I was seven years old and, oh, my God, uh, I'm just, I have no... I'm just not like that. I'm sorry. You no. can have a wedding. Every wedding should be fun. That's the bottom line for a wedding. It should be fun. You should enjoy yourself. When you start putting expectations on it from when you were seven, oh. the scrap. remember on, on Friends, Monica had the scrapbook for her wedding oh that my she God. had collected over like 15 years. Big mistake. Don't do that, girls. Don't. Don't, don't. And guys, if you know a girl like that, no. got to get her to dial it back. Oh, because my gosh. It will always be... be a disappointment. And the focus isn't on what it should be. So, and, and I don't know. It's this Cinderella thing, this whole complex. Now, of it. that being said, you had the perfect second wedding. How so? Nothing went wrong in your wedding. No. Except the fact we had to buy our own beer. That pissed me off. Yeah, that. Uh, well, I try and let I'm go kidding. of that. No, I let go of that. Well, I sort of was. I thought maybe that we would get bought dinner, but I've let it go. No, it was just a bit windy. I wish it hadn't been so windy, but it was right by the sea. And but the photographs. I mean, I look like I have a red afro. My hair is just. You look beautiful. Thank you, Sean. But it was a bit windy. I did. I wish the breeze hadn't have popped up so much. It was perfect. But it was utterly beautiful. I'm the proud new parent of a bouncing baby boy. I'm also a longtime fan of a craft beer gastropub in my neighborhood. First of all, you called it a craft beer gastropub, okay? It's a place I'm not going. What's a gastropub? Uh, food, gastro, gastronomy. So it's a craft beer, food. it's a hipster joint. Oh my God, okay. Recently, my wife and I packed up the diaper bag and put Junior in the baby carrier to head out to our favorite restaurant. We noticed a new, and in my opinion, rude sign. No children after 5 p.m. After querying the hostess, we were informed this was indeed the new house policy. I honestly feel like I helped put this place in the map. I went there when no one else did, before it became popular. Uh, to have this establishment reject my child. There you go, right there. There's your problem, dude. To have this establishment reject my child seems like a slap in the face. I'm thinking about boycotting it outright. Or am I overreacting? What's my recourse here? Oh, my goodness. This place should slap you in the face, you pompous twat. Okay? They're not rejecting your child. No, they're just all children. They have a policy that they don't, I mean, we don't know what it looks like. Maybe it's a small establishment. I don't know. You did not put this place on the map, you pompous twat, number two. Okay? You're one guy. Do you take out ads? Do you tell your friends? Do you post it on Twitter? Do you bring people? Shut up. No, you didn't. Okay? Mm -hmm. They changed the policy. Mm -hmm. You don't like the policy? That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just this, and guess what? This is what happens when you have children. Life changes. Oh, it does. Life changes around you. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of changes that you are going to go through Mm -hmm. with this child. Some Mm -hmm. good, some bad. Mm -hmm. This is neither. Mm -hmm. It's a Mm -hmm. pub that won't let your kid come after five. You know what you do? 
Go before 5 p.m. Go before 5 or go and get some beer and have a gathering with friends at your house or whatever until later when they get bigger and you can hire a babysitter. There we go. Why do visitors to my home feel they can come sit down and play my piano at parties without asking my permission? Not only does this noise make conversation difficult, it really annoys me. I think it's as rude as walking into someone's home and turning on the television. How do I stop this without embarrassing them? I'm sorry, I have to, that's just, if you have a piano and you have somebody that can come in and play it, what is your problem? (laughs) I grew up with a piano in my house and my mother would play it and my mother would play it two in the morning if she felt like it. What is your problem? Well, it's noisy. He says, uh, not only does this noise make conversation difficult, it annoys me. It's your home. You shouldn't be annoyed at your own home. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. I'm of two minds of this. If the person knows how to play the piano, then maybe that's okay. Yes, but that's not stated there. To me, you know it. No one's going to sit down. Oh, you mean if somebody's sitting down playing chopsticks? Exactly. exactly. Oh, well, that's different. Yes, that's right. So if someone knows what they're doing, is it good? The other problem is maybe the person's not going to play music that's conducive to your crowd. Maybe they you have this nice quiet dinner party going on and someone starts playing you know, uh, uh, honky-tonk music. Well, but that's inappropriate anyway, no matter whether it's a live piano or whether it's on their phone or whether they sit. I don't, I don't quite. If you have a piano, well, get a cover for it. Put a exactly. cloth over it. That's exactly my, my suggestion. If you don't yeah. like it, just put a just cover Just put over. a cover over it. Piano's closed for now. And that's then right. when someone says, hey, I, have, I play a great jazz piano, go, oh, great. Let's all, oh, we'll take the cloth right. off. Yeah. It's not that hard to manage this. this yeah. Is a, this is one of those first world problems. Uh, yeah. You know, that does, big I, problems and there's little problems. And that's a little problem. Yeah. That's absolutely a little teeny, teeny, it's tiny It's funny because I grew up with a piano in my house and a, and a brilliant pianist as a mother, and we never, we never had that problem. There was always a piano in my house. Well, I think in that case, your mother attracted people who liked piano music. But we never had the problem of people inappropriately, like we never had Coming to, and playing it? No. That's strange to me. We never had a piano in, in my house. We never had that issue. Um, no, there was never, if only because in my house, you didn't do anything that was inappropriate because my mom would kick your ass. You know, there's just, yeah. But I mean, know. if you play, if you have a guitar in the corner- yeah. I mean, you would, you'd put it in a case and you'd put it away if you didn't want, if there were children coming, for example, or if you didn't want someone to just pick up your guitar. But yeah. if your guitar is there and someone picks it up and starts strumming it and it's, I mean, what's the problem with that? Yeah. If, if the guitar is open. Yeah. If you just sit in yeah. the stand somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So again, get a, cover, get a cover, put a nice cloth over it and it's closed for the night if no, you don't want someone to play it. not rocket science, kids. <laughs> When my daughter and son-in-law were on their way over for Christmas, they called to ask if I minded if they brought their roommate, who had no family and no other plans for the holiday. While I did not want to be rude, especially on Christmas, I did feel like I was put on the spot. I explained to my daughter and son-in-law that, while I empathized with their roommate situation, I felt Christmas should be more intimate and was to be shared with family. After all, this was my daughter's and son-in-law's first Christmas as a married couple. Was I wrong to tell them to leave their roommate at home? Yes. Yes! Yes! You know, understand what Christmas is all about, you idiot! It's about family and people and friendship and love 
and all that stuff. You invite anybody to your Christmas table, and if your family or your children want to, you go, of course you bring them along. I'll set another spot at the table for them. I cannot believe that you think this is something that you need to ask, that you need to say no to. That someone who has no family. Yeah, well, you're going to let, and so you're going to actually let them sit at home by themselves. Just because they're not air family. No, 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 no. That's not the spirit of Christmas. She had no idea what the spirit of Christmas is. None whatsoever. No. The next thing they're going to say is, like, oh, we don't have any presents for them. They don't care. Oh, who cares? You just invite them in. It's not a big deal. There's always enough food. It's just one of those things that makes you want to slap people. I know. You completely misunderstand. And Christmas is hard enough for people in general. Mm-hmm. Speaking said, of what we said exactly. earlier. You're talking about Scott. But Christmas is, is hard, I think, as a society because it means different things to different people in different ways. And if you have the opportunity to bring someone into your Christmas who wants to be there, who wants to be with friends and their roommates, you got to assume are friends, otherwise they wouldn't invite them. You say yes to that. Well, then, and remember what residue that leaves. Your d- daughter and your son-in-law feel horrible because they're willing to extend this invite and they want they, they want to believe that their family will open their doors because yeah. they have the hearts to say, you know what, come along with us. You're not going to sit at home alone. And then you phone and your mother says no. And then you go, oh, my gosh, she said no. No. I've spent more Christmases alone than I have with friends and family. But almost every Christmas, I had somebody, at least one, most times more than one, uh, people say, hey, I know you're going to be alone on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. Come on over to my house. Mm -hmm. Come have dinner with my family. And I always said no. I always appreciated the invite. But I always said no because in my mind, my, my my standing joke was, I don't want to be with my family Christmas. I don't want to be with yours. You know? <laughs> but even just to be. But just the, this, you know, the offer was very kind. Like I knew one friend that was going to be alone or she had chosen to go and do something else. But I messaged her and I said, we're here. We're having a quiet Christmas. Our dinner, we our door is open and we'd love for you to join us. And and she was that, very grateful, but we she did that to, to Damon, our son. He said, yep. we asked him. Are Got any buddies? Yeah. Are any of your friends alone mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? If mm-hmm. they are, tell them to come on over and we've got lots of food for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. And- I wouldn't have cared how many of no, them they were. No, we would have welcomed them all in, 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 in the house. Not a problem. Yes, and we could cook up Wally anytime. <laughs> the cat that's outside hunting. <laughs> we have to go now because Melissa has to go and chase the cat. I have to go throw something at him. Let's <laughs> go throw a slipper at the cat. <laughs> Folks, as always... This has been Don't Listen to Us. I've been Sean King. I'm Melissa King. Send us emails at dltu at yml.me. Love hearing from you guys. Till next week, see ya. Bye.